0: This title is going to be Keys Walking Into This Year. That's the title of this message. Keys Walking Into This Year. Keys Walking Into This Year. I've given the word for the year, and and I'm not going to go through many of that, but to sum it up, we're running this year. Amen. Say, I'm running we're harvesting this year. This is a year of harvest. This isn't the year where we sit back like a lot of people do and, oh, maybe one day the Lord's going to do it. No, this is the year that we take the land. This is the year that you take the land, your land, your promised land. You know, God's got a promised land, a promise for each and every one of your lives. Did you know that? God's got a promise for this church. He's got a destiny for us corporately. He's got an assignment for us, and we are going to take the promised land by faith. But also, personally, God's put things in each and every one of your individual spirits. This is not the year of waiting. This is the year of running, harvesting, working. Amen. And I want to set this up. There is an acceleration on everything that a believer will do for the Lord. Say an acceleration. Acceleration. The acceleration of the last days. I'm just going to read these two verses to you. Amos 9.13. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. You know, people are like, well, I'm waiting on my harvest. I'm waiting on my harvest. And most Christians, all they do is just sit around and wait, 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 waiting on their financial harvest waiting on healing, waiting on all these things. But the Bible says there's actually a time when the grain and grapes, the harvest, say the harvest, will grow faster than it can be harvested. There's more work to be done. There's more land there's to be possessed. There's more ground to take than there are people willing to take it, is what it's saying. Say saying acceleration. You know, I also believe this. The Bible not only says that Jesus Christ came... In John 1, the word became flesh. But the same Bible that says the word became flesh tells us that he's coming back again. How many of you believe that? Jesus Christ is returning very soon. Very soon. You know, one of the great end-time eschatology Bible teachers, I'm really praying about inviting him to this church, but Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth, he he makes a statement that says he he studies prophecy, like end-time Bible prophecy. He's not just one of these weirdos that have their thoughts and theories. He's given his life to this. This guy knows what he's talking about. And, and he said a statement recently. He said, I believe the return of Christ is so close. He said, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. So you got to think about this. There's so much work. I believe there's 100 years worth of work that needs to be done and possibly, what, 10 years, 15? I'm not trying to tell you time, but let's say hypothetically. 15 years left on the earth of this time before the return of Christ, the rapture of the church. What? There's 100, 200, 300 years worth of work that needs to be done in this short window. So what does that mean? God is going to accelerate anybody who's willing to put their hand to the plow. If you're willing to get on that vision and stop waiting and put your hand to the plow, you'll watch God do for you in one year what it would normally take five years to be done. You'll watch God promote you, hallelujah, in one year, what should take 10 years to promote you. But it's not just for carnal reasons. It's for the sake of the kingdom. If you've put your hand to the plow of the kingdom, you will experience acceleration. You know, I want you also to understand this. The Bible says that whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. So everything that you sow for the Lord, you are entitled to reap. But if we have a 100 years left on the earth and you have a whole life in front of you, guess what? You still technically, you have your whole lifetime to live and God has your whole life to fulfill that promise. You could reap all throughout your life seeds and when you come to the end of your life after walking with the Lord, you'd say, man, I reaped what I sowed. I sowed and I saw it. You know, maybe I saw it in old age, but I reaped what I sowed. Well, if we only have a short window left, what does that mean? Then in order for God to fulfill his word, you for you to reap what you sow not just in heaven he said anybody that gives up anything for my name's sake shall receive now say now in this time a hundred times as many houses brothers sisters mothers properties and with persecution so it's not just talking about i'll reap in heaven say i'll reap now So if I have a lifetime of seed to reap in 10 or 15 years, a short window, what does that tell you? Accelerated harvest. Amen. 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 As quick as you can sow, as quick as you can loose, you'll receive. You believe that. So there's an acceleration on what you're doing this year. Here's some keys walking into this year that I want you to grab a hold of these things. Some of you may know them. But the Lord put this in my spirit, so I know it's for you this morning. First key, walking into this year, number one, take what is in your hand and get moving. Take what is in your hand and get moving. I want you to turn to somebody and say, get moving. moving. Okay, not like two people did it. I want you to turn to somebody and say, get moving. If you can't listen to me when I'm saying this, you won't listen to anything else I'm saying and you're wasting your time here. Come on. Turn to your neighbor, somebody else, and say, get moving. Take what's in your hand and get moving. Look at Exodus 14, 15 through 16. I want to show you something that I believe will separate the difference between the good-hearted Christians that love the Lord and they love to cry out to God. And they've, done all, they've served the Lord for all these years. But you know what? It ain't about... You, you, you know, we don't see anything on this side of heaven. It's all just one, one day we'll go to heaven. This is the difference between those people and the people that begin to take ground and possess the promises of God. What's the difference between the one that loves the Lord but gets nothing in life and goes nowhere in life and possesses nothing to the person that... Could be in their 20s, could be in their teenagers, in their 30s. There's no limitation. Possessing the promises of God. What's the difference between those two people? It's this verse right here. I believe it. So you have to understand this is in the book of Exodus, Exodus 14. A little bit of context here is that God raises up Moses and he's sending him to deliver. The people of Israel, so how many of you know the story? Moses goes to Egypt. He, he says, let my people go. Pharaoh hardens his, heart, hardens his heart. And Moses starts performing signs and miracles and judgments one after the other. It's like God's just boom, 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 slapping Pharaoh in Egypt. And then finally he lets the people go. And so the Lord leads them by a cloud in the day and a pillar at night down a certain kind of cavern where now they're stuck at the Red Sea. They're stuck at the Red Sea. There's the sea behind them, and there's Pharaoh's army closing in on them. And so Moses, what does Moses do? Moses does what a lot of Christians do do. Do do. I guess that's the type of service this is going to be. Hallelujah. Moses did what a lot of Christians do. There we go. That's better. What do a lot of Christians do whenever they encounter something that's testing, when they encounter something, when there's something standing in their way. Well, I'll tell you, number one, a lot of Christians, they just complain and whine, or they get mad, or they get mad at God. Yeah, that's what's so crazy. You know, the Bible says that people destroy their own lives with their own actions and then blame God. It says that in the book of Proverbs. God, how could you do this for me? He's like, really? I made you do the drugs? I made you drink. I made you, you know, I made you cheat on your spouse. I made you now, how did you allow this to happen? He said, what are you talking about? I'll forgive you. I'll show you grace and mercy. I'll lift you out of whatever pit you may have found yourself in. But I did not do this to you. People destroy their own lives with their actions, and then they blame God for it. But, so a lot of people, they'll get mad when something happens. Well, you know, I'm just going to get mad at God. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. Listen. When you're having when your back's pressed against the wall, you need to press into God. That's one of the keys of prayer and fasting. When Israel knew that they needed a breakthrough, Lord, we're going against this army, and it's like seventeen thousand to one over here. What are we going to do? They would engage God, the Book of Judges, with prayer, with fasting, with giving. They would press into the Lord, and guess what? The Lord would give them deliverance. So a lot of people they just you know they they'll just turn away from God but then a lot of people they'll cry they'll moan they'll complain and maybe they'll even pray oh Lord please help me right now who's ever done that Lord help me you're in a financial situation Lord I'm just praying that you help me in this financial situation even when it comes to sickness I know that's a scary thing but Lord please we're like trying to beg God and I'm going to show you a principle so they're backed against the the wall of the Red Sea And the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses was crying and praying out to God. Look what God said. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Guys, you know, this is, it's so important. It's so important that you get in this word and understand who God is and how he works. Because people have their own idea of who God is. Right? They, they, they create this false perception of God and they think, they, even they name him Jesus. They have this false perception like God's moved, he's moved by our, oh Lord, please help me. And we think that, that God's response, the God that we hear about in America, okay, my child, I love you. Let me give you just a warm, fuzzy blanket hug. Is that what he said? He responded to Moses and said, why are you crying out to me? I think that for a lot of people, we're sitting here, This is what the Bible calls praying amiss. They're they're even crying out, Lord, please, will you help me? Will you do this for me? And he's sitting here saying, why are you crying out to me? Take what's in your hand and get moving. In fact, because you're asking me to give you something, I'll get to this in a moment, but that I've already done for you. God already gave Moses the instrument of his deliverance. It was the rod. You don't have to pray, Moses. I already gave it. Just take it and, and, and use it. Put it to work and get breakthrough. Steak says this on this note, stop praying and do something. <laughs> Prayer is good. There's a time for prayer. We are a church that believes in prayer. We have 9.30 prayer Sunday morning, 6 o'clock prayer Sunday nights. The last three weeks, we've been praying 12 to 1, Monday through Friday, every single day. We obviously believe in prayer. But, guys, I'm telling you, this is the difference. Listen to me. This is the difference between a Christian that does nothing in life and one that possesses the promise of God is this one phrase, stop praying and do something say action do something go forward why are you sitting here praying and crying out to me I've already given you the solution take it and use it so I want to help break that down a little bit take what's in your hand say that say take what's in your hand and get moving And that's what you need to do this year. No more waiting on God. Take what is in your hand and begin to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I've decided I'm not waiting. I'm not just going to sit here and cry and pray. We're we're not just going to sit here and pray for the Lord to send revival. I'm going to get moving. Let's go win souls. Let's go into the community. Let's go do outreaches. Let's go bring in people and and have meetings, week-long meetings. Let's press in. We're not just praying. We're taking what he's given us, and we're moving forward with it. That's the difference that will separate two people. If it be your will, God, you can know God's will. You know that it's extremely easy to know God's will. His word. Say his word. The Bible says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Who was that word that became flesh? It was Jesus. So take your Bible. Let me see a Bible. You know what? I'm sorry. Here, I'll pull out my Bible here. You need to realize this. I know this Bible didn't die on the cross for us, but this is the revelation of who God is. This is Jesus in book form. So if you want to know what Jesus is like, how do you know what Jesus is like? Do I sit in a closet and just meditate? Hum, hum, okay, appear to me, Lord Jesus, hum. A lot of weird Christians do stuff like that. I'm a prayer intercessor, really? But then you talk to them and they're so word ignorant. It's like, how can you even be a good intercessor when you're probably, you don't know the word. So if you don't even know the word, you can't even pray properly. Are you with me? How do you know who God is? Say the word. Word. The word. Take what is in your hand. I have a question. What has God put in our hand? Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. I'll stop right there for a moment and tell you that that is actually the foundation that faith is built on. God always does what he says. I don't know if you were here Wednesday, but you got the drift. But the main point of Wednesday is, did you know this? You have a biblical guarantee that God will answer your prayers. You know, a lot of Christians will say, yeah, you know, that's great. Really? Then why aren't you using it like a weapon in your life? Oh, I believe that. Do you believe it to the point where it's driving you to pray? If you don't believe it to the point where it's driving you to pray, then you don't believe it. Because the Bible says that faith and action are not separated, that your actions prove what you believe. Faith without action. Faith without corresponding action is actually not faith at all. It's dead. It's useless. Can that kind of faith save anyone, the book of James says? No, absolutely not. God always does what he says. That that right there is encouraging because... You don't have to have a master's degree in theology to begin to move mountains and do great things for God. All you have to do is have childlike faith. If God said this in his word, then I believe that God will always do and has done and has proven true in everything that he's written in this word. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, people are like, people come up to me all the time. And I'm not trying to at all make this about me, but listen. People come up and say, "How is it that you're 27 and you've been, you've done this stuff, and God uses you?" You think that God just specially touches people? A few years ago, I got a hold of some verses that all things are possible, and I began to actually believe that that was true, and stop limit. Oh, I can't do that. I'm just a young man. I can't do that. We can't. We can't afford this. We can't. It's just absolutely ridiculous. All things are possible to the one that believes. Nothing is impossible. God always does what he says. That means that if he said it in this word, you can take it to the grave that it's true. Does the Bible say, by his stripes ye were healed? Does it? Then, why do Christians say things like, Well, I believe that, but you know, I'm just really having a hard time. What, what are you having a hard time with? Just believe that He always does what He says. On God's side, there's two parts of the equation there's God's part, and there's our part. God has always proves true in what He says every single time. If He said that He'll bless you, and He says you're blessed, guess what? You are blessed. If he says that he's given you the blessing of Abraham, if he's given you the blessing that makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it, guess what? As far as God's concerned, he's not a man. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. That is what he's given to you. But what do people have? Unbelief. They don't believe what the word of God says about them. They don't believe that God will do it. Just like the stupid things, like, like, you know, you always hear people about prayer. Keep me in prayer. We're just keeping everyone in prayer. Prayer is supposed to produce immediate results. One person, name me one person that Jesus kept in prayer. Anybody? One? One person that Jesus came, they came to Jesus with a problem and he said, I'll keep you in prayer. He prayed, and what did he model? You can ask anything in my name, and you will receive it. John 14, John, if you abide in my words and my words abide in you, you can ask anything using my name, and you shall receive, and you shall have abundant joy. John chapter 16, you haven't done this before, but come to the Father directly, ask using my name, and you, it will be granted. You will receive Knock, the door might be open. Does it say that? The door will be open. Seek and you might find. Does it say that? You will find. Knock, ask, and you might receive. You will receive. That is faith. It is impossible. If you get a hold of what I'm telling you guys, listen to me. You'll get this in you, that if I use faith... It is impossible for whatever I set my faith to for it to not come to pass. That that'll change. Like that will change. If I was preaching to you in a living room with nothing, then I would understand you say I don't know. I'm telling you. I'm I'm young. I'm not old and I've already seen the word of God's true. You know how we got this building? I remember when we were believing God for it, we had to come up with money by the end of one month, a hundred grand. We didn't have time to go get a loan from the bank. We had no ground, st- we had no really grounds to get a loan from the bank. By the end of the month, you need to have the money. The Bible says this, I'll give you an example. The Bible says in Joshua 1.3, I promise you what I promised to Moses. Say, God when God makes promises, he means what he says. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given to you. You may think, well, that doesn't apply to us. That was to Joshua. That was to the Israelites. You know, you hear all the little unbelieving people talk on Christian radio. You know, one of the best things you could do is just destroy that channel. I don't listen to that junk. So much of that stuff is full of unbelief. It's not even funny. I'm not trying to rabbit trail, but, you know, you even think about the famous song. When you don't move the mountains, I'm asking you to move. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody heard that song? Is that what the Bible says? Does the Bible say, pray to God to move the mountain? And God, in his sovereign judgment, will decide whether he moves the mountain or not. And if he doesn't move the mountain, that's okay, because he'll give you strength and peace, and he's trying to teach you something about the mountain. Is that what it says? Or did Jesus say, I say, you can speak, not to God, to the mountain, and command it to move. And if you do not doubt in your heart and believe the things which you say, you will have what you say. Therefore, you can pray for anything, And if you believe that you receive it, you'll have it. The basis of faith is understanding God has given me these things, so therefore I believe it. I know that I can have them because God promised them to me. And if he promised, me, promised them to me and I believe it, there's not a chance, there's not a question that it won't happen in my life. It will happen every time. Everything that I set my faith for shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. That's the Bible. But the devil gets you believing stupid stuff like that. And then you'll hear people come on. I saw one pastor. Man, it's so dumb. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, the Bible says that for the, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to hurt you or harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a, a bit of a paraphrase, but I saw a pastor post, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to take a scripture out of context, and it, it, it's like it was supposed to be a joke. I'm like, you unbelieving devil. Unbelieving. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians. Well, let me get back to the story. Same people. That's out of context. Wherever your foot will tread, you'll be on land that I've already given to you. That was just for Joshua and Israel. Really? Because we grabbed a hold of that verse, and guess what? We had prayer meetings in here where we started just stomping our feet around, just like this. Hallelujah, Lord, you said wherever our foot treads we will be on land that you have given to us and guess what we saw at the end of that month we saw this land come into our possession not five years or 10 years or 20 years down the line our faith was met with immediate results because we believe the word of god he said it we believe it that's it that was to Jeremiah. That was to the people of Israel. Look what it says. Yes, he always does what he says for all of God's promises. Say all. all. What does all mean? Does that mean some? It means every promise in this word. All of God's promises. If there's over eight thousand in this Bible, all say all. Say all. Say all. all. Say all. If God said it, then it means I can have it. All of his promises have been. Wow. Has been? Or will have been? One day when you get to heaven, you'll you'll step into the promises of God? No. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. When Jesus died on the cross, he brought us into a blood covenant where every promise that God has ever made in this word was fulfilled in him and he gave us all thanks. Now do you understand where I'm tying this together? Why Christians are sitting here saying, Lord, like Moses, please, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. And he's saying, why are you crying out to me? Get moving. Tell the people to get moving. Take this, the rod that's in your hand and just point it towards the water. What is the rod that's in your hand? It is the word of God. Lord, we're just praying about it. What are you praying about? All of the promises have been fulfilled. What are you waiting for God to say, yes or no? All of the promises have been fulfilled with a resounding yes. That means that if God already said yes in this word, he's never going to say no. Say that. If God has said yes in this word, he will never say no. This is what Christians need to get in them in these last days. We need, to have a, we need to get out of this Christians just waiting. Well, we're just in a season of waiting. No, you're not in a season of waiting. You're in a season of waiting, and the reason you're not possessing anything is because of that unbelieving confession coming out of your mouth. If you say that I'm just in the desert wandering around, guess where, guess where you'll sit the rest of your life? In that desert wandering around. Well, how many of you know the Israelites died in the promised land? Praise God. Yeah, we're not the Israelites. Sometimes we got to go through the wilderness. No, you don't. It's funny. Who brought the, the Israelites out of the wilderness? Joshua. What was his name? Yeshua? Yeshua? What is the name of Jesus? Yeshua? Joshua was a type of Christ. Moses was the type of Christ that brought the children out of Egypt. Then Joshua was a type of Christ. Moses messed it up. He couldn't go to the promised land. So another person like a type of Christ rose up and took the children out from the wilderness into the promised land. Let me tell you something. That was a transition of, of covenants. The wilderness was the old covenant. The promised land's the new covenant and the life that we have in Christ. What side are we on Well, I'm in the wilderness? Really? Are you under the old covenant? then you can't be in the wilderness. Why? Because all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Why are you crying out to me? Guys, I'm, I'm going to say this in love. There's some of you that you think your prayers are being heard by God. But in actuality, if you could learn to hear the voice of God, you wouldn't hear him, Oh, it's okay, I understand. Why are you crying out to me? He would say. Tell the people to get moving. Maybe for some of you, the Lord's saying, Get moving. Stop. You don't have to pray. I already gave it to you. Just receive it. Just believe it. Just put it to work. Come on, somebody. Stop praying about prosperity and put the word of God to work and get prosperity. What do you mean by put the word of God to work? Do what he said in the word and believe for the expectation. I'm believing for prosperity. Really? Do you work? Mm, No, not really. Okay, then you can't have prosperity. The Bible said he'll bless all the what? Work of your hand. Well, you know, I don't understand that. Why is it too? Have you guys noticed that at Pentecostals, a lot of them, they just want to be Long-haired, blue jean skirt, barefoot, and walk around, poor all the time. I'm like, the biggest multimillionaire like Pentecostals, holy Ghost people should be the multi-millionaires in our generation. Not walking around with a pair of flip-flops that are falling apart from the dollar store. I'm not hating on anybody, but what I'm saying is, how, how can you have access to this power of God? And be a person that actually believes what God says. And then live your life uh, obtaining nothing. You can't. It's impossible. Put it to work. Say, put it to work. This year, you've got to put the word of God to work in your life. Hallelujah. Man, this is strong in my spirit. Put the word of God to work in your life. Stop waiting. (laughs) Stop praying and do something. Are you working? Well, I'm just believing for prosperity. Why don't you work? What do you mean by work? Work full time. Listen to me. Can I tell you you something? If you have not already worked full time and created wealth where you can live off of that wealth full time, then you need to be working full time. Amen. Amen. Say, "I I need to be working. You know, that's the thing. The Bible says how many days are given to work? Four days, American, I'll work three days, two days a week. Six days are given for working and one day is given for rest. Most people, if I don't get my rest like four and a half days of the week, listen, I'm being honest, that's, that's laziness that needs to get broken off. If you're willing to put your hand to the plow, and then if you're willing, once that provision begins to come, you work unto the Lord excellently. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work diligently. And then I'm going to take of my substance and honor God the way that he said to do in his word. Guess what he said? I promise you, test me and see if I won't fill your storehouses with grain and that your vats don't overflow with good wine. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great that you don't have enough room to take it in. You know, this is crazy, but I'll tell you a God honest truth. Just a few years ago when we started this church, we were having like a few hundred dollars. And this is probably not something you want to tell people because the wrong spirit just gets mad, but I don't care. I'm telling you that it works. We went from having a few hundred dollars a week trickle in. And I remember it was Miss Sarah. She gave me a book by Kennedy e. Hagan. You can have what you say. I'd never heard that before. Y'all think that, like, I grew up like this, and I just knew all this stuff. This is like everything has happened so fast in a couple of years. And it'll happen for anyone who will just believe the word of God. But remember, I read this book, You Can Have What You Say. He proved it through the scripture, how you use your faith by using your mouth, your confession. And then he, he talked about how in Hebrews 1, the Bible says that angels are servants ministering spirits sent to serve those that will inherit salvation. And in one of the roles of angels, what do we think angels are just flying around playing harps? There's roles of angels in the Bible. One of the roles of angels in the Bible is harvesters. God, it says at the last days, God will blow out his trumpet and he'll send angels to the north, south, east, and west, and they'll gather the harvest and bring it to the Lord. So what is one role that angels fulfill? They gather harvest. And so, He said in this book, the Lord showed him how to use his authority. And he said, servants, you know, you think about a servant. They are meant to carry out commands. And so he said the same way, a servant, you think of like a waiter to a table. They come to your table, what would you like? I'd like a glass of water. They go and grab a glass of water and bring it back to you. That's actually what it means in Hebrews 1 when it talks about ministering spirits, servant spirits. I got this, and he said that how the Lord broke him out into provision. He said the Lord told him, never pray about finances again. Why why do we not need to pray about finances? According to the word, he's already given us all things in Christ. He's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? Is the Lord withholding from us? Has the Lord got a little lock and a pad on the storehouse of heaven? It's wide open tell you a testimony minute. This is amazing, but it's wide open. So he said, never pray about it again. He said, just, just, just speak what you need. So he said that week he needed $800. That was back in the thirties or forties or something that, you know, $800 was a lot. And so he, he said, send the ministering spirits to go and bring it back. And so he did. He said, ministering spirits, I release you now in the name of Jesus. You go get get that $800 and bring it back to me. He said the next meeting, he took up an offering, and he literally, he's like, I didn't try to pull, I didn't do anything. I literally told the pastor, say a little about it, pass the plate. And he said that like a thousand, like whatever it was, more than what he claimed for the first time came back. And he said ever since then, he never had a deficit again. And because he understood. And I'm telling you, that day that I read that, I was in this church. I came walking in and I said, It rose up. Faith came in me. The gift of faith came on me. I believed it. I believed it. And I was like, Lord, a few hundred dollars trickling here and there. You know, I'm not a plumber, I'm not a carpenter, I don't work at Home Depot on the side. Me and my wife got to eat, and this ain't going to do it, Lord. We got to pay some light bills. There's souls that need to be won. There's work that needs to be done. And a couple hundred dollars, it just ain't going to do it. And so I split up and I released the word of the Lord. Ministering spirits, I said, I need you to go out. You gather $2,000. I averaged it out. At that time, the church needed $8,000 a month, give or take. So I said, that breaks down to about two. I know there's 52 weeks in a year, but just follow with me, okay? I just said, if we could get about $2,000 a week, that would, that would be great. And so I released the command. Go gather that and bring it back in Jesus' name. And guess what? Our offering from that week went from a few hundred dollars to the first time. Think it's a coincidence. That next Sunday, it was $4,000. Not only the two that I claimed, it was double. It was double. I was talking, doing some financial things, and this may blow your mind. But in a few years... You would not believe the amount of money that we give as a church to other to other ministries and other ministers. I mean, really, with our outreach, everything that we sow, but just doing what we do, we were looking at our monthly budget. Our monthly expenses is eighteen thousand dollars as a church. Isn't that amazing? You know that we're not bankrupt. We're not going under. We're not living on the thread. I'm telling you that to tell you that in a few years we went from a couple hundred dollars to needing to believe God for $2,000 to now operating on an $18,000 a month budget. It works. The Word of God is true and it will work for anyone who puts their hand. You look around and say, How is that possible? I'm telling you, there's people that give to our church that don't even go to this church. God brings it in from the north, south, east, and west what is that? That's the angels of the Lord that will go where you can't even go. They'll go where your foot, where your feet can't even take you. And they'll gather the harvest that's due to you and they'll bring it back. If you believe the word of God, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just take about 10 seconds and praise the Lord this morning. But you better believe that it's true. Because there's a contingency. You cannot doubt. Because if you're double-minded, the Bible says, you're like a reed that is blown and tossed, and you shouldn't even expect to receive the things that you pray for. You better just get that in your spirit. God said it. Say that. God said it. That settles it. I believe it. And I will have it. Man, praise God. I've decided I don't care. That's that prosperity stuff. I refuse. My mother was talking to ministering. That's what I love. When the fire begins to get in people, you don't have to coax them. When souls, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When Jesus is in your heart, guess what's coming out of your mouth? Jesus. But if he's just in your head, well, I believe I'm a Christian. Yeah, I agree with those things. You've just mentally ascended. There needs to be a work by the Holy Ghost in your heart. Because when it's in your heart, it's impossible. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If my mouth cannot speak the name of Jesus to other people, then I need to get on my knees and get on my face and get him in my heart. He'll take a stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. It's a work of the Holy Ghost. She was talking to this guy about, uh, what do you believe in God for? I just love that. You're a Christian, you know, obviously trying to lead him to the Lord, found out he's a Christian. What do you believe in God for this year? Well, like most people, well, nothing. You know, if you're not believing God for anything this year, guess what? You'll get Nothing. You'll come to the end of 2023 and you'll jump up and down and say, Pastor John's a prophet. Why? Because he said that I could have what I believe for. And I believe for nothing. And guess what I got? I got nothing. I got exactly what I believe for. Nothing like most Christians. It's impossible to use these. If you've been turning on to the broadcast. You see how we've been talking about releasing the power of God through your words. If you get a hold of this, you'll turn it into a weapon. Man, you'll just start. That's why, that's why the devil tries to mock it. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You're dang right. Speak it, believe it, possess it. Yeah. Period. I don't care I've seen God do it and I've decided we're never going backwards but she was what do you believe in God for oh nothing and so she started setting his faith no you need to believe God and anyway started ministering to him and he ended up speaking to her saying you know what you what you're saying is right he said I'm not from here I'm from Houston and he said my pastor he was talking about the same thing and this was a really cool story and he said that, you know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be people that walk into like a Home Depot-sized warehouse that will just have random stuff. And are you guys ready? This is about to offend someone. If, if it offends you, I love you. But it's true. In this warehouse, there could be cars. There could be material objects, things that you need. And you'll walk around thinking, what in the world is all of this stuff? And the Lord says, this is all of the stuff that was yours that you never claimed, that you never picked up. This is everything that you could have had, but because you refused to use your faith and obtain it, you never possessed it. You know, I heard a similar story. There's few people that I, you know, you hear stories of people going to heaven. I don't believe everyone that tells a story that they went to heaven, but there are a few people that I believe. I'm like, you know, that person, I believe that what they're saying and one of the men of god that i believe is robert slearden and he tells the story how when he was a little boy he went to heaven and he said even in heaven this angel was leading him through through heaven and he walked into this room and in this room this sounds morbid but he said there was just body parts all over this room eyes a nose kidney heart lungs and he was like, What in the world? Did I just walk, you don't know, walk in, you see all these body parts just floating around, sitting around in this room. What in the world is this? And the angel said, These are the parts that belong to the saints. These eyes was somebody, somebody needed eyes on earth. A saint needed eyes, a saint needed ears, a saint needed a kidney, a saint needed a tongue, a saint needed a lung. And they'd never picked it up. This is their parts that belong to them that they never picked up. Do you understand the difference between now how that, why God told Moses, stop crying out to me and get moving. Stop asking me to split the sea and take what I've given you. Hold it up and hold it out. Use your faith. Use your mouth. Use the word of God. You don't have to cry and beg God to split the sea. He's already given us the power, the authority, the victory, every promise fulfilled in Christ. Now just put it to work and begin to watch the sea split in Jesus' name. Possess. Say possess. possess. The promises of God. Get moving. I felt these verses specifically. Did you know in the Bible that God has promised, a covenant promise is land. I read Joshua 1, three. I, pro- I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land that I've given you. David said, The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Guess what? God made a covenant with Moses. He gave him land. God made a covenant with Abraham. What did he give him? Land. God made a covenant with Isaac and Jacob. What did he give them? Land. Say, land. land. There's land, covenant promises in the word of God. I felt that specifically because this is how vast this book is. People think that it's just, well, God promised to get me to heaven. No, he promised to heal you. He promised to bless you, to prosper you. You, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Say all things. That means that if it's useful in life, if you need it in order to function in life, he's already given it to you in Christ. Is a car needed in life? Say yes. Yes. You know, in this day and age, in order to work, to get to the store, to go to Walmart, you know, most people aren't raising beef in their backyard. They got to they do things. You need a car. It's already been given to you in Christ. Land's been given to you. Some of you, you're believing God for property. I felt this in my spirit. Stop waiting. You're not waiting. You need to just use the word of God and p- begin to possess the promises of God. Come on, somebody. Is that anybody? Who's believing for property? Raise your hand if you're believing for property. In Jesus' name, begin to use your faith and possess the promise of God. Well, when the Lord gives me that property, what do you mean? He already gave it to you. Stop saying stuff like that. That's hope, that's not faith. In Jesus' name. Take the word of God and get moving. One more time, turn to your neighbor and say, get moving. Enough crying. Put your faith to work. Enough crying. Get moving. Possess prosperity. Listen, decide to break through. Breakthrough is not waiting on God. He's already defeated the enemy. Decide to break through. That's like the power of what we're doing with prayer and fasting. I told you, we're not... Asking God, we're not trying to get the breakthrough. We've decided that we are engaging our faith, and whoever will do this, you will break through to the next level. Hallelujah. Decide to go to the next level. Would anybody in here desire, would you say, you know what, I could use more financial prosperity in my life? Two, two hands? Anybody else? Three hands? Four hands? I could use that in my life. Then what are you waiting for? Because you're not waiting on God. Possess it. Possess it. Possess it. Hallelujah. I'll give you a few principles. Are y'all still okay this morning? Take what's in your hand and get moving. In order to do that, you need to learn to do this. You need to learn to walk on the word. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. You need to learn to walk on the word. Some of you know this story. This is the story where Peter walked on the water. Matthew chapter 14, 22. So Jesus is walking on the water. They think that uh, the disciples are in a boat. There's a storm. Jesus is walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. But then Jesus speaks to them. Just paraphrasing here for a moment. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Here's where the magic happens. Jesus, release the word. Say, Jesus, release the word. Jesus. Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. Peter stepped out on the word, and the word held him above the water. What do I mean by that? You know, what held Peter up? His faith, but the word. Jesus released the word, and Peter stepped out of the boat, and he stepped. And what was he standing on when he got out of the boat? He was standing on the word that Jesus had spoken. (laughs) You said to come, I believe what you said. So because I believe what you said, I'm stepping out of the boat. And by my faith engaged in believing what you said, when I step out, guess what? That faith in that word held him above the water. That's what you have to do this year as a Christian in this church. Begin to walk on the word in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. What does that mean, walking on the word? Did Peter float before he stepped out of the boat or after he stepped out of the boat? After. So what does that mean? You have to walk by faith and not by sight. Stop waiting. Um, Many people never possess anything because they're waiting for the most ideal circumstances. When we started this church, we were told by the board that we we got the church from, you can't afford it, it takes a lot of money, you're young, you have no backing, you have no this, just a bunch of doubt and unbelief. And what a lot of people will do is they'll look around, like what we could have done, and said the same thing, well, why don't we just take it slow why don't we not get that building, and let's just begin to rent something, right? Month by month, we'll just rent a little something, and that way, if it doesn't work, and we need to really take some time and get our, get our bearing and, and get moving, we can just slowly but surely wait until circumstance is favorable, but that's not the way that faith works. A lot of Christians are waiting until their circumstance is favorable, and then guess what? Their circumstance never gets favorable. They're waiting their whole life. I just released the word for land. If you're believing God for land, put your faith behind it and possess it. Stop just waiting. Well, it's all just going to be, and there will be favor, but I'm telling you, there's going to have to be an action of faith where you begin to walk on the word, not walk on what you see. God said it, so I'm stepping out on the word. Amen. You know, that's even what tithing is. Tithing is faith in action, right? Right? I can't afford to do 10% of my income. Really? Walk on the word of God. He said, if I do, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. So I'm going to step out of the boat and step on what God said and put my faith in action. A lot of people say, well, I'll tithe, right? I don't tithe right now. I don't give anything, but if I were to win the lottery, Brother John, I would give you a tithe. No, you don't. No, you wouldn't. You think that it's easier to give a million dollars than it is to give $300? It's not. People think that it works backwards. Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, even more will be given to you. But people think that they'll be faithful when even more is given to them. But in actuality, nothing more will ever be given to them because they're not faithful with what God already said in his word. Hallelujah. I have just a few more statements here. Say walk on the word. If you continue to read. It says. So Peter. Stepped over the side of the boat. He began walking on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw. The strong wind and waves. When he saw. When he saw. I'm going to help you here. What's the enemy of faith? A lot of people would say, what's the opposite of faith? Unbelief, right? No, actually, the opposite of faith is sight. What he saw. I walk by faith, not by the antithesis, sight. So what does that mean? In order to operate in faith, you're going to have to walk. You're going to have to get strong. Be courageous, says the Lord. Step out in faith and begin to walk, even though what you see around you looks like a complete contradiction to what the Word of God says. Amen. What he saw, he began to get focused on what he was around him. He saw The wind and the waves, and he was terrified, and what happened? He began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, Why do you have so little faith? He just rebuked Peter, who walked on the water, and said he had little faith. Any of us ever walk on water? But he just said, Peter, you have little faith. Because faith, it's it's like, how can he have little faith? He just walked on the water. Because faith is not complicated. It's very simple. Jesus said, I said come, so you should just stand on that word. If I told you to come, then you should have the confidence that you're not sinking because I told you to come. If I said come, you should have the confidence. I don't care how big the waves are. I don't care if you see a wave rolling in with a Poseidon ship about to tip over. You just stand on the word of God. Be unmovable. Be unshakable. Have an uncompromised faith of the word. Come. He started to doubt. He started to believe the wind more than he believed the word. And you have to believe the word more than you believe your circumstance. Is this helping anybody today? I'm going to give you this last point, and then I want to deal with, uh, give you a testimony. So not only are you not waiting on God, say, I'm not waiting on God. Said God's waiting on me to believe, to have faith, to get unbelief out of my life, to get unbelief out of my mouth. I'm not waiting on God. Said God's waiting on me. You can have it now. You can have it this year if you'll believe it. You can ask for anything, and if you believe you receive it, you'll have it. It's not complicated. Anything means anything. Look at the Greek word anything. Guess what? It means anything. It means everything. <laughs> whatsoever things ye ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. Those words whatsoever means you can have anything, and not only anything, you can have as much of anything as you believe. The word in whatsoever things, Mark eleven twenty four, 24, is the word hosos. It means as great as, as much as, as far as. Wow, hallelujah. I can believe God for provision, but just enough. That's not what he said. You can actually have as much provision as you want. If you'll have faith. This last point is this. You can go as far as you're willing to go. I want you to say this. Say, I determine how far I'll go. I determine how far I'll go. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while they were gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, which earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from the trip and called to give, them account, uh, called to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. The master said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward. Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. Master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the master with one bag of silver came. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least you could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags. To those who use well what they are given, say to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. Here's one principle we'll pull out. So who determines how much you have? Does it say God and his sovereign judgment? To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. So I can determine the abundance that I walk in by what I do with what I have. You see that? But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Say useless. I've determined for myself, you know, I hate to say it. There's a lot of good-hearted Christians, but people that claim, they, you know, they may have good intentions, but they're useless. The Lord actually said, well, God just sees everybody the same. No, there's people that he's like, look, I died for you, but you are useless to me. That's what Jesus said when he said if a salt has lost its saltiness what good is it? What is it good for? It's not good to be thrown on the ground. It's not good to be thrown into the manure pile. Basically what he's saying is this. Think about salt. Right? What's the purpose of salt? I know it in these days it preserve but what's the purpose of salt? Say flavor. What if you, you know, you ever go it's like you go to, I go to um, Texas Roadhouse when we're not fasting. Praise God, very soon. They always come out, you need some steak sauce? I shouldn't, right? Amen. I should. Anybody else know what I'm saying? I, I shouldn't need some steak sauce if it's a good steak. And if it sucks, then yeah, I'll need some steak sauce. But salt, it gives it flavor. Can you imagine if salt had no flavor, what would it be good for? If salt had no flavor, would you take a thing of salt, a bunch of just flavorless white little crystals, and just start dumping it all over your food? For what? It's useless. It's lost its value. And that's what he's saying about a Christian. In the context uh, of that passage, I, I believe it's in Luke 18, a Christian that is not willing to deny themselves and carry their cross is actually useless in the Father's hand, in the Master's hand. He cannot accomplish anything or much for the kingdom of heaven. Say useless servant. But I do have this question to ask you. Who told the servants in this parable how much they could multiply? Did anyone tell them? Did the master come back and micromanage and say, okay, servant with five bags, now you've done five, but that's it. In my sovereign will, as the sovereign judge, I'm going to cut you off right there. Did he have any involvement? Did he come to the one with two? And after he got two, okay, it's, it's my will to take some people here, but you're just walking in my sovereign will, and I have a place for you right here, so you're, you're not going to get any more than two. Is that what he did? No, he gave the gifts. He gave the talents. And the Bible says Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, he resurrected from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he gave gifts unto men. He gave the new covenant, he gave the Holy Ghost. The Lord has given us all talents. And guess where Jesus is? Is he walking around in the room right now? No, he's not. He's seated at the right hand of God. But he will come back. Jesus gave this. He gave the church the keys of the kingdom. He's given you the rod in your head. He's why, he's, why are you crying out to me? Get moving. He's given us everything that we need. And he doesn't micromanage, you can only do this or you can only do that. You can take this word and go as far as you want to go. If that servant that multiplied it five times over would have got it in his spirit, he could have multiplied it five times over again, 20 times over, 30 times over, 40 times over. Are you with me? You determine you can go as far as you're willing to go. When I realized this, just this year, the Lord showed me this in the Word, and I got this. I'm not waiting on God. I can, I can go to work, Lord. I'm not waiting till I'm 30. You know, they'll tell you everything. Well, 30 is the biblical year. 30 is the year Jesus started his ministry. I could hear stuff like that. Well, I guess I just need to sit in the wilderness until till I turn 30. You're too young, and then you cross the line at some point where now you're too old. You're either too young or you're too old. But when I got this, I'm not waiting on God. I can go. I can move. If I take this word and put it to work, I can go as far as I want to go, as fast as I want to go. You know, that, that type of revelation, you know what it caused in me? It caused me to write two books this year. Two books. i would never written a book. I'm not friends with publishers. You know, it's like, how would you learn how to publish a book? I used the mind of Christ. I called people. <laughs> I picked up the phone and said, I don't know how to do this. And guess what? Here's another crazy thing. I believe God for the money to do it. I can't do my dream. I just need the money. Use your faith and possess the money and get to work. It's really not that complicated. You always hear people, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna hit this hard. We're going to a woman's conference. I'm not, but the women are. And you hear. And listen, if you got another reason you can't go, that's fine. But if, if the reason you can't go is because you're saying, well, I just I don't have the finances right now. Use your faith and get the finances. Am I being too radical, too harsh? It's nothing is impossible for the one that believes. It's like I I don't understand that one time I was in Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's church. It was midnight. And we're over here praising. Eddie James is leading worship. And man, it's just fire. It's amazing. And I I was filming it on Facebook, and I had some friend from Idaho. I sure wish I could be there. Really? Guess how I got here. I didn't teleport. I bought a plane ticket, and I got here. Yeah, but everybody just doesn't have the money. Nobody has the money until you get a hold of faith and begin to put it to work and obtain the promises of God. Nothing is unattainable. Come on, somebody. Say nothing Nothing. is unattainable. Nothing Nothing. Nothing. is unattainable. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. When you... Listen to this. When you have small vision, you are believing in unbelief. When you have small vision, you're believing, I put in quotes, in unbelief. A lot of Christians, what I mean by is, is they'll say, oh, I'm in faith. I'm believing. Really? By your vision? It's so small that it's pathetic to God. I don't know. Am I not talking like a pastor today? I don't know. It's so small. You know, it's almost like insulting to God. Really? Like, I told you, you could do anything, and that's what you believe for? (laughs) You're like, oh, man, you know, I'm believing God. Seriously, the Lord's challenging me. I think the Lord showed me that. When I told you I used my faith for 2,000 and the Lord brought four, it's like, really? 2,000? That's it? That's it. That's what you're going to do with that word that I gave you? I said, come, and you're going to, okay, here we go. If you will believe the word of God, Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, if you can believe. So if I can believe, right? Well, if God will do it, what do you mean? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. There was a man that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can help me. And he said, what do you mean if? (laughs) The problem is not with me, my friend, the Lord is saying. I can help you. The problem is, can you believe? If you can believe that I can do this, all things will be possible. Say all things. Another way to say this, nothing would be impossible for you if you can believe. I don't know if anything else this morning, I am trying to like fire hydrant faith into you for this year because we're not going to have a church full of Christians sitting back on their hands waiting on God no get moving hallelujah you know I, I look at stuff like that I was standing in San Antonio Texas on vacation in December and the Lord spoke to my spirit I was standing on the balcony of a beautiful room looking out over the city and just looking at all these buildings all these buildings and the Lord said, do you know that it took a man, a man built every one of these buildings? Maybe not the same man. Maybe it took a hundred men, hundred different men. That's all these buildings that you see. It took a man to build these buildings. And I just begin to think, you know, is every one of these men that built these buildings, are they these huge skyscrapers? Are they Holy Ghost? They got the mind of Christ. They're in covenant with God. A lot of them aren't. And I just begin to see if a man can do this in the flesh, if a man is able to build a skyscraper, just being made in the likeness of God, just using a brain that God put in his head, what can I do if nothing is impossible for me? What can you do if nothing is impossible for you? What can you do if you will work, if you will apply the word of God and use your faith? There is no limitation of what you can accomplish for the Lord. Stop thinking small. When you have small vision, you're believing in unbelief. Why do you have small vision? Why does a person have small vision? Because they don't believe that the big vision can come to pass. Lord, I'm just believing. I'm in an apartment right now, and I'm believing for a two-bedroom house. Really? Praise God. But why? Why, why not a three-bedroom house? Why not, why not something that the nations of the earth see that you're a person claimed by the Lord? Why not something that puts your God on display, that you're the head and not the tail, that Jesus Christ is the most high God? Well, because two-bedroom's okay, but three-bedroom, it's unbelief. God can't do that for me. God won't do that for me. God's not willing to do that for me. If you have small vision, it's because of unbelief. Grab a hold of the endless possibilities of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.